Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Well, I don't know. Everyone has a podcast now. Well, not really. What is true is that, according to Nielsen statistics, 55% of the U.S. population, that's over 155 million people, have listened to a podcast, and 24% of the population, that's 68 million people, listen to podcasts weekly. And these numbers continue to trend upward. What's also true is that over 75% of all podcasts fade away after the first few episodes. It could be for a variety of reasons, lack of strong concept, poor production value, people not realizing how much time needs to be dedicated to it, or simply just not knowing how to get the word out about podcasts. That's where WeKnowPodcasting.com comes in. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have a combined 25 years of podcast experience, and we can help you achieve your podcasting goals. Whether you need help starting a new podcast or want to take your currently active podcast to the next level, we got you. From consultations to concept development, from theme music to editing, promotion, animation, graphics, you name it and we're here to help. Don't become another failed podcast statistic. Let us guide you and help your show become a success. Check out the website at WeKnowPodcasting.com. And even if you're on the fence, don't hesitate to reach out. We're friendly guys, we're passionate about pods, and we're here to help. What? A few months back, we covered the Irish Spice Girls, known as Bewitched, and now we're discussing the British Backstreet Boys, known as Five. We're joined by actress, writer, stuntwoman, filmmaker, and singer Jennifer Zhang to discuss their U.S. hit, When the Lights Go Out. Together, we decide if the lights for Five went out too soon or should have never been turned on in the first place. So we're here today to talk about five who at first I wasn't sure if it was five five or just five, but I guess it's five, even though that stylized version of their name with the number five, then IVE makes absolutely no sense to me. Can someone explain that to me first and foremost? Right. You know, I've never thought about that. 
<laughs> my brain just completely accepted the truth that they were feeding me about their name right. being five. And I just, for like, you know, the, the next 15 years, just suspended all disbelief. The other thing that's worth noting about the poorly named five is that through large chunks of their career, they were a four and now currently a three-piece group right. still performing <laughs> under the name five. Now, do they spell that with the number five, T-H-R-E-E? -E? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it turned into a Ben Folds five sort of <laughs> ironic name or something. But, okay, that out of the way, I don't understand how the number five becomes an F that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> I had never heard this song before. I know I've heard of the band. Yeah, I didn't know it. And to me, you know, I'm very well versed in the band Five. Now I did my research today, <laughs> but I didn't know it at the time. This slipped under my radar. Apparently this made a big impact on you, Jen. Yes. I don't think a month of my life has gone by since I heard that song where I haven't played it. Wow. I And now as me being a kid who, and I, I am shitting you not, spent many, many times during elementary school and junior high at the roller skating rink, I heard both When the Lights Go Out and apparently the much lower charting than I imagined Slam Dunk the Funk by five uh, constantly at the roller skating rink. And I was surprised actually how low these songs ultimately peaked on the charts because I thought for <laughs> sure that this was like, oh, one was a number one single and the other one was like a number three single. And then like I look into it and it's like, oh, in the States, their only charting hit was When the Lights Go Out and it peaked at 10. <laughs> and then Slam Dunk the Funk was at like 87 or something on the charts. Like, But I thought that both of those songs were massive, unavoidable songs on the same level as like a Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. Wow. Back in the day, I remember being so invested in this band because I was like, man, they're going to be huge. I'm like, just listen to this. Let's just listen to this when the lights go out joint. They're going to, this is, this is a bop. They are going to be huge. But that was what the industry was saying. They're like, this is the British answer to the Backstreet Boys. I saw one article where a magazine said five is the group that has Backstreet Boys looking over their shoulder. Oh, God. <laughs> and I was like, man, how wrong that prediction was. <laughs> like... I mean, to me, as a guy who just heard this song for the first time today, it just sounds like a Backstreet Boys slash NSYNC <laughs> ripoff, which having not known it, but Jen, at the time, see, I don't know where you were in your life when you were listening to this song. Were you listening to this song as a kid or a teen being like, oh, this is amazing? Were you I, I was the intended audience, the hormonal, right, that's what I was getting the hormonal <laughs> teenage girl with the braces um, and right. like just, you know, in my kissing my pillow in my <laughs> right. bedroom, imagining it was one of the members of Five Eyes. Uh, five, five. Yeah. <laughs> and so did you like Five enough that you actually knew their names? Back then, yes. Back then, yeah, yes. Okay. That has been that. Those memory fragments have been lost to the sands of time since. So you don't remember Ab's love? <laughs> A, B, I do Z remember Ab. Who's eyebrow ring guy? They got an eyebrow ring guy, which I found to be a little bit edgy for a boy band. I'm glad that you noticed that they had a little bit of edge because <laughs> this group was put together by the same team that put together the Spice Girls. <laughs> 
And the ad that they responded to was an ad asking for young male dancers and singers that had attitude and edge. Wow. (laughs) Yes. So they were they were advertised. We don't want your daddy's Backstreet Boys. We want the young, hip, edgy Backstreet Boys. We need an eyebrow ring guy. Gotta have an eyebrow ring guy. Yeah. We need the Mike Patton of boy bands in this band. (laughs) and And they got him. Anyway, yeah, listening to it for the first time now, nothing about this song really, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's just as good as any Backstreet Boys or NSYNC songs. It uses all the same exact sounds as those boy bands. It was like, I don't understand. Like, why couldn't they have like, and I'm not just talking about five. I'm talking about all of them. I'm I'm talking Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. Everyone seemed to use the same exact sounds sounds like the same synth sounds the same drum sounds what's up with that so chris i got an answer for you and it's called check out the netflix documentary this is pop yeah about sweden right max martin jen you actually told me oh a very interesting fact yesterday as chris is name dropping all of these groups yeah that five if they were smarter about listening to a song and realizing that it had hit potential we wouldn't be talking about them because what two songs did they say no to for their sophomore album? I know um, what they are. Go ahead. Hit me, baby, one more time. Right. Which you would think, oh, well, you know, you identify that squarely with Britney. But I mean, all these songs are written to be sung by anyone that sure. came out of that machine. Right. And bye, bye, bye. They said no to bye, bye, bye. Right. Yeah. Wasn't that... good enough for five. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bye, bye, bye. See, I kind of think that only Britney could have made. Hit me, baby, one more time. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that. Maybe it's just too drilled in my head. But yeah, bye, bye, bye. I mean, I'd take that song in a minute. I, no matter who the band was, yeah, I'd take that one. So I think one of the reasons for that, and this actually caught me off guard when I was doing the research this morning, but Five, unlike a lot of the other boy bands at that time, actually pushed to write and or at a minimum co-write all of their songs. <laughs> no! So, so it could be, it could have been them just being like, we're not taking someone else's tune. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, another thing about that, Matt, and I saw you put that in the notes for today. And that's something that people like to say, like, okay, Taylor Swift writes her own songs for the most part or whatever. That's great. But like, am I supposed to be so impressed by that? Like, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, oh, wow. Like this boy band, they wrote their own songs. Am I supposed to be like jaw on the floor that this happened? That's like completely normal <laughs> to well, do that. I mean, I, the other reality is just because you wrote a song doesn't mean you wrote a good song. <laughs> right. So, and, they, and they didn't write this song that we're talking about no. today. No. They're like, we, we answered in a newspaper ad asking for edge and attitude. We obviously right. are qualified to write music. <laughs> well, the song Keep On Moving," which I checked out in my research of this, they definitely wrote that one because when I was listening, I was listening to that one. I'm like, what the hell is this? And the chorus of that one, which I, I made note of is get on up when you're down, baby, take a good look around. I know it's not much, but it's okay. We'll keep on moving anyway. And I was like, this is so bad. And then I saw Matt's note about them writing their own songs. I'm like, oh, this is a this is a five uh, <laughs> written original for sure. Yeah, check that one out. There's another one that I don't know that they wrote, but wouldn't a bit in the same vein, would not be surprised if they did. It was the B track on the When the Lights Go Out 
single CD, which of course I had. And it was unfortunate. It was called Straight Up Funk, right? But but the lyrics were straight up funk in your ear. But when they sang it, it was like straight up funk in your ear. But the way it was so processed and produced, it sounds like them saying straight up fuck in your ear. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so this is a continual thing with five because my young sister, she was like five or six listening to five. And they had a song which I actually didn't hate on this album called Everybody Get Up, which oh, samples. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> but in there, they say kicking kick with some hooligan funk. But again, because of their British accent, it definitely sounds like they said kicking some hooligans fuck. And my mom was like, what is this? <laughs> hey, I, I got another note that I made about that song. My first note being about that song you're talking about, Matt, Everybody Get Up. My first note was, I can't stress how terrible this song is. <laughs> and my second note about that song was at some point there's a lyric that is grab you by your biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Although you, you, you might be in the minority uh, Chris, when it comes to disliking that song, because I do think, and I may be wrong, but that song did get picked up by the NBA as a, yeah. as a, a theme song for a little bit. Just, you know, because wow. the masses adored it so much. <laughs> Damn. I mean, why wouldn't they just get I Love Rock and Roll if they were going to do that? They want to take I Love Rock and Roll with some like... I'm sure the cost of five was a lot lower than the cost of Joan Jett at that point. <laughs> I guess. I thought it was interesting that Russell Brand auditioned for five. What? I don't know if you guys saw that. He did. Oh, my God. He did. He didn't make the cut. Was it enough edge and attitude? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not enough edge with that guy. Yeah, this was a Simon Cowell project, right? Or he had something to do with them, right? Yeah, he was like, he got American, well, because it started as British Idol, I think. But it, it was because he was like the hit maker of, of England. <laughs> like he was just right. putting together pop groups and they were selling tons of records. So they were like, all right, well, this guy clearly knows talent when he sees it. Let's give him a show. Right. So I do want to talk about the song was written by two members of another one hit wonder group, Dead Alive from the 80s, who did You Spin Me Like a Record. Are you serious? So, yeah, I feel like there is like a when I think about that, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense that the guys who wrote You Spin Me Like a Record Baby also wrote When the Lights Go Out. Like they feel like the appropriate change in sound over 10 years. Yeah. From the same writers. Yeah. Like, I mean that the hook though is so good. Do you do you really were you really not captivated by the hook, Chris? Um, it sounded like a typical boy band song. Yeah. I mean I didn't I, I, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm not gonna deny when the, when that the it, bass it, it, it comes sounds in, pretty good. Doo 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 yeah. doo doo. I mean it's just it gets you right in your chest cavity. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, it might be one of those things where it's just like, it's all those same sounds, all those same sounds from all those pop songs of that time that maybe if it was presented in a different way with some like different sounds that I would recognize the genius of the, you know, of the melody or the lyric or something. <laughs> but I'm, I just hear like generic boy band from the late nineties when I hear it. And, and Matt, I, I have to say something it's, it's dead or alive. You're thinking of dead alive, the extremely gory movie. I think you're, you're getting horror movie. Oh, night. Yes. Yes. Dead, <laughs> or, yes dead, dead or, or alive. alive. Dead alive is the Peter Jackson zombie. Yes. Classic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the one thing I'll tell you didn't hold. Cause I was when the boy band stuff was happening, I would have been 12 when this song dropped hanging out at the skating rink. And 
I definitely remember thinking to myself, yeah, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, they're not cool. But Five's not bad. Like, I was, <laughs> like, more of a Five guy than an NSYNC Backstreet Boys guy. And you have to remember that for me, like, I had a little brother, but on the cousin front, like, I had two sisters, and then I had 14 teenage female cousins that I grew oh up surrounded gosh. by. And we would do Saturdays at my grandmother's house as the whole Italian family would come together. So all of that pop music to like, there are some songs. I almost want to jump ahead to this real quick because this song peaked at number 10. I want to talk about some of the other songs on the charts. So this peaked at number 10 on August 1st, 1998. Also in the top 10, Ray of Light by Madonna at number nine. Here's one that I don't think Chris will know, but you and I will, Jen. Never Ever by The All Saints was at number eight. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. All Saints. Yeah, maybe if I heard it. They were just I another have... British girl group, but it was okay. it was a very uh, earwormy chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Number seven, I'm pretty sure Chris was always in the R&B, so I'm sure he remembers Too Close by Next, oh, which yeah. is a filthy song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that. That's... I know that one. That song they would play at school dances, and I don't know if the teachers knew what they were doing there. Number six, Come With Me by Puff Daddy featuring Jimmy Page. At number four, you had Adia by Sarah McLaughlin, which I always forget was as popular as that song was. Yeah. You're Still the One by Shania Twain was at number two, but the song, the song that was keeping her from the top spot was the undeniable chemistry of when you brought Brandy and Monica together oh. on a single track. <laughs> boy is mine. The All boy right. is mine. That's, I mean, that Finally was undefeatable then. Then I mean, like, <laughs> Five was really up against, you know, a juggernaut there. Truly they were. And I one of the things, though, when listening back to the song and, and writing down the lyrics for, for the note, I used to think that the rap in this song was so cool. <laughs> and now typing out the lyrics, this rap means, n- this is the most meaningless rap in the middle of a pop song I've ever read in my so entire bad. life. And so unacceptable by today's standards. Like when you, it's, it really hits home when you watch the music video. It's like five white boys trying to be very black. Can, can I read it? Yeah, go for it. So this, by the way, when I was, First, just watching, putting the song on, watching the video. I didn't know they were British right away. It sounds like anyone else. But when the rap came, I'm like, oh, okay. When I flick the switch, make your hips want to dip now, I can get you off because I'm ready and equipped now. Damn. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know. What? Okay. Yeah, no, a quip, a well-placed quip always gets me off. (laughs) Yeah. I'm... (laughs) I am off. equipped to please yeah. you is something every woman dreams of hearing. Swing for me, baby. Give me all that you got. Never want to stop because you make me feel hot. I know you want to do and that I feel the same way too. Give me what you want through the days and the nights. Yeah, it's about time. Now we turned out the lights. Yeah, I like that. Nah, what's up? Check it. Check it. <laughs> Second verse, y'all. Check it. 
Yeah, say, I liked when he said second verse, y'all. It's actually my favorite part of the song. The other thing that I did not realize until doing the research here was that depending on if you listened and watched the UK or USA versions of the video, you got a different rap by a different rapper because the UK version, Jay does the rap, while the US version, it's Abs that does the rap. And they had two different music videos as well. Yeah, the UK one involved a VR machine, but I grew up on the bowling alley for sure video. Same girl, same. I got to talk about that music video too. (laughs) So I'm thinking to myself, like these guys probably had... What do you think their budget was for this music video? Like, honestly, half a million dollars, maybe? I guess maybe we have to adjust for inflation, right? (laughs) You have to adjust for inflation, but you also have to factor in that this is their second video in the U.S. after their first video made no noise whatsoever. So while they were probably killing it in the U.K. already, they may have been like, we're not giving you nearly as much money to shoot the U.S. music video at this point. <laughs> yeah, and, and keep in mind, music video budgets have gone down like crazy in the past decade. Yeah. You used to get half a million dollars to a million dollars to make a music video in the 90s when music videos were the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go low. Six figures somewhere. About yes. six figures. Let's say, let's say the lowest six figure there is, 100 grand. They had to make this music video. Look, the 90s were a time of like the most iconic groundbreaking music videos this was nigel dick who made this music video who made music videos such as every music video by tears for fears he did sweet child of mine in paradise city from guns and roses tons of oasis def leppard he did the baby one more time video he did backstreet boys mandy moore train fuel he eventually did vindicated by dashboard confessional like lots and lots of videos are you mean you mean to tell me this guy couldn't think of a better idea than Let's go to the bowling alley and you guys just like dance and bowl a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe that he couldn't do better than this. He phoned this one in. <laughs> I, I really think he phoned it in. Apparently it made an impact on both of you. I, I guess if you're looking at, you said, Jen, that you were looking at this through the eyes of a teenage girl squeezing her pillow, thinking about how cute the guys are. Maybe. I, I mean, I guess I could see that, but I just, I thought the video was lazy as hell i mean it's saturated with like color that might really be the only thing like i don't know maybe i was just mesmerized by the boys yeah <laughs> by abs by yeah. abs just... abs, abs and jay and it is truly unwatchable now like the, the the choices that are made even in not just the the look and the the locale but just the direction and the shots they chose to go with there's some really like unappealing looking shots of the guys getting their faces right into the camera. They had that fisheye thing going on a little bit in there. Yeah. And the girls, there's really no chemistry there. Hey, can we talk about the fact that there is another five? I don't know if you noticed, but on, <laughs> on, on YouTube, there is another five spelled with the five I V E. It's like a R and B slash hip hop. I think solo artist from about a decade ago who has way more views on their song, Me and My Brother, than any of the five boy band music videos. It has like three times the amount. So not only is it just five, it's five with the number five, like five I've. (laughs) Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. 
Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. You know, something that you bring up a lot of time is the passion behind the music, right? Like how much are they willing to just really put in the work both before and after? And we've talked about, you know, boy bands and girl groups before and joking about how like they can't really, like they don't have the same origins as like a pop punk band where, you know, you're not like going to a bar to see like an up and coming boy band, like try out their, their sound. Five tried to reunite a whole lot. And a lot of it was just, no one was in like they they posted on myspace in 2006 hey guys we're coming back here's some here's some new songs and then no record label contract came their way and they're like just kidding we're not gonna <laughs> oh, no. and, and then they tried it again when the big reunion show hit the uk it was them with bewitched and atomic cat and a few other like uk based pop groups and that was kind of like they did the tour with the big reunion and nothing else but this month, oh. August of 2021, they are on their third attempt at a reunion and dropped two new songs on their streaming services. Are you serious? Uh, Shangri-La and Making Me Fall as five the three-piece trying to make a big return. They're going to be touring in Australia later on this year. Five is trying again to... to catch the the glory of 1998 five is still alive i i got some strong thoughts about five here first of all <laughs> first of all in 1998 or whatever on this album with this song that you two both apparently like a lot they sold <laughs> 10 million copies worldwide 10 million that is a lot that is yeah. a lot yeah. of albums in like 1998 and by 2001, I'm talking probably less than a thousand days later, they broke up. I hate to say this, but fuck five. You guys <laughs> sold 10 million albums and you're just going to break up? Like, do you realize what you have, you ungrateful fucks? Like, you sold 10 million albums and on top of that, you fucking suck. Like, you you guys are fucking <laughs> knockoffs. You're fucking knockoffs of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC who suck. <gasps> Sacrilege. I only say they suck because you know who exists? Boys to Men exist. Boys to yeah. Men, the greatest. I never, I guess I didn't really think of them as a boy band, but they are. Greatest, most awesome singers ever. And Matt, you brought up that this is pop thing. That made me, I was already maybe a little too old for Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. I loved Boys to Men. Grew up on New Kids on the Block and New Edition. My point being that this ungrateful fuck of a band five, <laughs> they didn't deserve anything they had to begin with. They were a put together bullshit band. They answered that newspaper ad, okay? Yeah. Anybody look. could have answered the ad, but they did it. I hate to get so heated about this, but I'm heated about it because you had. Boys to Men, 
who the motherfuckers saying end of the road. And I, okay, here, I will say, boys to men, for the most part, didn't write their own songs too. So I could hold that against them, but they were so amazing at what they did. So unbelievably amazing. I did. I watched the same episode that you did, Chris, and I, it did after the fact make me very angry on behalf of boys to men, because we all kind of knew that they, that, you know, that they kind of like were a blueprint for all those other white boy bands. But I had no idea how calculated that was by the record labels where they're like, oh, let's do exactly what boys to men are, but relegate them to the like the urban quote unquote charts and make our own pop palatable version of it for the general white audience. I didn't realize how absolutely calculated that was to just rip them off. So after the fact, now in, you know, my now that I'm no longer a teenage woman, I mean, teenage yeah. girl, sorry, teenage yeah. woman. What the hell is that? <laughs> now Jen, that I think you woman, were a teenage woman. I, I believe it. Jen, a teenage woman is any woman at the bar when one of these songs starts playing <laughs> by the DJ. They turn they turn from woman to teenage woman real fast. <laughs> Jen, that's me. I'm a teenage woman now. Back then I was a teenager. Now I'm a teenage woman. Now as a woman, I certainly appreciate five and NSYNC and Backstreet Boys a little less because of what I know. Yeah. And I'm getting a little heated and, and about it. And, and I don't know, a little belligerent about it. I know, but I think the thing that pisses me off, even, you know, that stuff pisses me off, but that's, that's a whole other conversation. I think what pisses me off the most is selling 10 million albums and breaking up like less than a thousand days later. That is just, that is so weak. That is so, <laughs> so let's pathetic. Talk about why they broke up. There's a reason why they broke up, which has probably my my favorite fact of anything that I've read about a band in a really long time. The one member of the band was really having, and I get this, he was having a mental breakdown with the stress of constantly being in the public eye. And that's totally understandable. And they had been working really hard on this third album and it wasn't really doing anything. But this leads to my favorite fact, which is that the members, Sean, walked away from the band because of all the stress of being in the public eye. But the record label didn't want that to be public knowledge yet. They didn't want to be like one of the members is stressed out and he left. So for the music video, they commissioned a giant life-size cardboard cutout of that member to be used throughout the video to hide the fact that he was no longer in the band anymore. <laughs> wow. So that's how bad computer graphics were back then, huh? Where like the cardboard cutout was going to sell his presence better than like yeah. a... Gone with a... They could have gone with a lookalike or... Really? Cardboard cutout? Replaced him option. maybe with another human since they were just a put together thing anyway? I don't Yeah, know. let me ask you a quite let me ask you a sincere question, Jen. If they had just replaced one of the members with a different guy, do you think your eagle eye would have been like, hey, that's not Sean? Even even back then, nah, it wouldn't have mattered to me. <laughs> yeah. Is he cute? Does he have an eyebrow ring? Then all good. All the boxes ticked. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess I guess it's time to decide if this was if if they brought the one hit thunder or if this was a one hit blunder, I mean I'm gonna I'm uh, we we can go we'll, we'll we'll go a gen go first. Did they bring the one hit thunder or was this a one hit blunder? I am obviously biased. I still listen. I just listened to this yeah. song before this po- like before this podcast was even on my like you know radar or something as I was gonna do. Mm-hmm. I just listened to the song last week, so. Right. There are okay. going to be thunder in my heart, resounding through my heart forever. I enjoy some songs by five, but ultimately I decided 
while doing the research that they were going to get the blender from me <laughs> for no other reason than the MySpace hey, we're reuniting, and then they can't get a record label, and they're like, never mind, <laughs> and then, like, vanished. I was like, that's some weak sauce move right there. Like, just reunite and reunite and do your thing. Like, Bewitch came back together, and they just started putting out their own self-released albums. Like, if you were passionate about being five again, you would have just put out the music. MySpace was around. You could have started. Like, the streaming service was out there. You had enough name recognition that you didn't need a record label to reunite so that that kind of was the biggest strike for me where i was like you know as much as i enjoy this song and slam dunk and everybody get up as as a whole i i think that five was a bit of a blunder ultimately so matt you're telling me that you enjoyed everybody get up the song set to the music of i love rock and roll to the point where yep. it's just straight up taking the music of i love rock and roll not making it any different and singing something over top of that that's what you're saying just, just just to make this clear, you're saying you like that song, right? Let me let me do a quick search on my <laughs> computer that we're sitting at real quick because I just want to see how what songs by five do I have on my computer right now. <laughs> and while he does that, I just want to clarify, Matt and the entirety of the NBA likes that song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, to be fair, I have their entire first album loaded up on my computer ready to go at any moment. So if I'm in the mood to listen to That's What You Told Me, Baby, or Party Line 555 <laughs> online, or Got the Feeling, uh, I'm ready to rock at, at any moment. So. Well, Matt, I was pretty set to like go full blunder on this one. But you may have flipped me in the last minute here because they have a song called party line 555 oh, i love songs about party lines now that, that's been a thing <laughs> since boy bands first existed they've been singing about party lines new edition new kids they all sang about party lines i don't even know what a party line is but i do like that i love that these guys in 1998 were singing about party lines still apparently was a party line like a phone number you called and there were just a bunch of other people on that phone kind of like before the internet that you were like chatting with people uh, let me find out i'm gonna google what is a party line because i'm thinking of like when freddy krueger had his own number that you would call and he would just be like you should be in bed so i can hang out in your dreams and right. then you like hang up the phone and you got charged like seven dollars for it right after we figure out party line i'm gonna tell you my, my ruling because i am the swing boat here okay so it says party line noun a policy or policies collectively or officially adopted by a political party Okay. Nice. That's that's definitely what they're singing about. <laughs> yeah, that's what they've been singing about. Uh, the other definition was a telephone line or circuit shared by two or more subscribers. Mm -hmm. I guess that that's what they're referring to. Oh, hold on a second. There's an Urban Dictionary definition that might be more on what they were talking about. Party line, a phone service with several rooms where people from all over the country can talk, have phone sex, lie about who they are and what they look like. Uh, most callers have no jobs, life, or any real friends. Wow. 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 That's what New Edition was singing about? Phone sex? <laughs> Twinkie Lover on Urban Dictionary gave the following example of using party line in a sentence on August 14th, 2006, when they wrote, I'm calling the party line because I'm bored and I have no life. <laughs> so, Jeez. Hey, I'm telling you, the boy bands in the 80s, they made party lines sound like something really cool. But apparently it was just... For people who had no lives and wanted to go have phone sex. I was ready to go full blunder on this one. But Matt, the fact that they said we're going to reunite, saw that no one was interested, and then decided not to is so funny <laughs> that I, I want to give them a pity thunder. 
Uh, just, <laughs> just for that fact, because that that's amazing. So we're, we're so it's thunder for five. And a sincere apology to Abs and Jay and the rest of the group if they've stumbled upon this episode and are giving it a listen. Oh, definitely. I am certain that the members of Five are googling Five all the time to see what the world. is. See if the world still cares. We need five to come up and and set the record straight. Yeah. I mean, five, if you're listening, five, I'm going to refer to you as just an entity. If you're listening, I'm sorry (laughs) I was so harsh. Your song is fine. Apparently, these two like it a lot. It sounds pretty good. I don't think you wrote that one, but it's cool. (laughs) It sounds pretty good. I just think it's so weak that you guys sold 10 million albums and broke up less than a thousand days later. That is the weakest shit I've ever heard in my life. That is such an enormous number of albums to sell to not still be a band, to, to not just be a band forever. If you ever write that blog and you and you headline it, fuck five, you know how you have to spell it. Yeah, right. <laughs> five U-C-K. That's, that's exactly how it should be spelled. Apparently five <laughs> is a substitute for F. We're giving them a thunder anyway. But uh, yeah, hey, Jen, thanks for coming on. Why don't you... We just jumped right into five, but before we go, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you have going on? Tell us about all your slashes. You got a lot of slashes. I got a lot of slashes. I got a lot of uh, singer, songwriter, writer, producer, actress, fitness model, martial artist. That's nice. That's that's the official slash lineup. But that's only because I kind of like accidentally morphed into an LA douchebag in in that I. I'm, um, I am a person of color and this industry is very harsh for my ilk, right? And I've been at it for a while and I remember dropping tons of money into acting classes, you know, back in the day and then coming out and getting a an agent, you know, and a commercial and a theatrical agent. And then all the auditions I was going for were lab tech, nurse, you know, mm-hmm. and none of those things ever had lines. Sex slave was another big one, right? It was oh. a lot of like sex trafficking. They just needed Asian bodies to look like they needed to be rescued by like white protagonists, right? So it's just been a really long journey of adding more and more skills. And I try to do everything with a lot of uh, diligence and a lot of discipline. So on the music front, I've put out two albums, two EPs. Where can we find those? Anywhere that you cool. listen to music. If you, But here's the problem. And this is why I can relate to the issue of five and another band that's also called Five that's spelled exactly <laughs> the same way. My name is Jennifer Zhang. There are two other Jennifer Zhangs, both musicians. Oh. So <laughs> if you look up my music, chances are you won't be listening to one that's mine. Well, what are the names of the EPs? Because you, you could do that exact. We could type that in exactly <laughs> in Spotify well, or Apple Music. There's one called Versus, which mm. is spelled V-S. And then there's one called Escape Emotion, which is the one I'm really proud of, which was from the heart. But my main passion, my most enduring passion is filmmaking. And I'm a screenwriter. Uh, That's probably the thing that I'm going to die as one day. (laughs) It's because it's (laughs) it's a thing that I've I've put the most effort into. And I've had this feature film do really well on the film festival circuit called Sharon, but it's spelled C-H-A-R-O-N. And Deadline had an article on it a few months ago when it went to get shopped at Cannes, which is pretty cool. Um, And I have a short film coming out that I wrote and produced and um, acted in called Fetish, which is also about, uh, you know, the Asian experience. So, you know, I guess that's kind of everything recent in a nutshell. I 
probably undersold the excitement of that. Probably should have gotten my manager on here to do that for well, no, me. <laughs> let's talk about Sharon. Let's talk about Sharon for one quick second because mm-hmm. I think you're kind of burying the lead of Sharon as well, which is like you pretty much made that entire movie yourself on your phone <laughs> during a pandemic. Because I remember, like, we're fr- we've been friends for years because of Geekscape, and I remember you like literally posting things on Instagram yeah. where you were showing how you used your foot to be a mic stand to do like overhead shots. <laughs> like, yeah. you would hold the cell phone in your foot, yeah. and do like an aerial view of yourself laying down for certain <laughs> shots and stuff. Yeah, you know what? You're right. That's quite the lead to bear. So it was at the very start of the pandemic. Like, we're talking like just a few weeks in. And I was starting to go mad because I had another film project that had got funded, that had gotten funded, that got put on hold because of this. So I was kind of blue balled. Like I had to make a movie. It was going to drive me nuts. And I was like stuck in my apartment. So I did it by myself, no crew, on a cell phone and like a little tripod and my feet whenever I needed to hold the phone. So take that, Bo Burnham. Right. But the the idea of it was that I was just going to see if I could do it. And I also edited it on a cell phone, by the way, which is so weird. Such a weird choice for me to have made because I just didn't, I just didn't want to bother with like importing it. And like apps have gotten so good that you can actually edit a film on a cell phone. People don't quite realize how good editing apps are now on phones. Anyway, so the idea was just to make this feature film and to include things like action, to include things like horror, make sure it was really compelling and do it on a phone, then throw it up on YouTube. That was the plan for it. Make it, put it up on YouTube, hope I got at least a couple hundred likes. And then I showed it to my manager after I did it. He called me after he watched and he said, I got to be honest. I was like, what is this bullshit going to be? Because he like, you know, hey, watch this thing I made on my cell phone. And he was like, you really have something here. I was like, you think? And I'm really glad I didn't just throw it on YouTube because the festivals have been kind of going crazy for it. It's won and gotten like nominated for like best feature categories at some of these festivals. And this is up against movies that were shot on traditional cameras. So that's amazing. I don't know. That's amazing and inspiring. And I can't wait to see it because, you know, (laughs) I don't mean to like bring this back around to this this episode that we're doing but but it does but it does relate to it in the fact that like i brought up spike jones that's someone that's always so inspiring to me because that's someone who who would take like no budget at all and just through his creativity and you know being resourceful and great ideas and made something and it didn't matter he was making it on like a you know whatever camera he he wasn't you know didn't have the money of five didn't have you know whatever (laughs) they had you know millions of dollars behind it to to make something I'm sure he eventually got big budgets but I'm just saying like it's always inspiring to me when you can I mean wow you edit it you you what can I ask you what program which program you used yeah it's called video shop and the thing is it was made strictly for social media videos uh-huh. Like I ended up contacting the developer of the app after this to send him the movie and he was blown away. He watched it right away and said, I didn't even know my app could do this <laughs> because it's meant to, <laughs> it's meant to export one to three minute videos. right. Uh-huh. Like I, I don't know that there was any reason for anyone to ever test seeing if it could export a 73 minute feature film, but he, he had set it up so that it could export in 4k. 
Wow. Like this guy developed this app with the future in mind. It's honestly impressive what some people can do with just what's available in TikTok. It, it is yes. true that you could do like I never thought about like actually editing on your phone. But I think what's cool about that, too, is and I don't mean to speak for, for you, Jen, but maybe it is that you you brought this up, which just makes me think sometimes you're inspired to, you know, you, you had an idea for a whole film. But even if you it was a, a five minute video, but. Sometimes even filming something, you know, our phones are all great now. They 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 all look amazing what you film. But sometimes that step of like taking it from your phone, putting it onto your your iMac or whatever, and then dropping it into Final Cut or whatever editing. Sometimes even that step yeah. is enough to be like, oh, I don't feel like doing that. Right. But to be able to do it like in real time, be like, oh, I just filmed this. Now I'm gonna edit it. Yeah. That can really uh, spark the creativity, I think. Is that what you found? Absolutely. You know what? Yes. And then we, and, and we think alike, which, you know, you should be yeah. very flattered. I know. Hell yeah. No, <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, I am. That was, that was the thing was when I was making this, I thought I'm going to remove any obstacle that, that will discourage me from doing it. You know, just human nature to be like, eh, I'll get to that later. Right. right. And, and one of the big things was I'm going to be exhausted every day shooting all day long by myself, using my feet to hold the phone on, you know, some occasions, screwing up multiple takes because there was no one behind the camera. So I'd have to stand in front of it. I'd have to hit record, go stand in front of it and hope that I hit my mark, hope that like it was an exhausting process shooting every day. And I thought anything that gets in the way of me editing it could tank the whole thing. So right. by doing it all on my phone, not having to export it, you know, re-import it, all that stuff, I would finish shooting and then I would go get in my PJs, lie on my back in my bed, and just start editing, like just start assembling the scene from the day just nice. with my phone. It was There was no like middle step that would have discouraged me. And it ended up being a huge reason why the momentum just kept going through 60 days of doing this. That's was, it, it was amazing. easy. That's amazing. Thinking outside the box is everything. And that sounds like that sounds like what Jen did. And oh, Jen, is the film still in the film festival circuit right now? Or can we see it somewhere yet? Yes. So it's in the it's in the tail end of its festival run, after which I'm really going to focus on, you know, after now that I've collected my laurels, it's at the very tail end of its festival run. And the next place it's going to be screening is at the Horrible Imaginings Film Fest, which is in September. Oh, Miguel. Yes, Miguel. <laughs> yes. It's going to be an online screening and an in-person screening, which will be the first time ever I'll get to see it on a big screen because it's only been virtual screenings this year for understandable reasons. And I think that that's in the first two weeks of September. I have to look it up, but, but that's how people can see it. And then after that, hopefully it'll just go to a streaming platform if somebody buys it, fingers crossed. So cool. we'll, well, good luck with everything. Congratulations Thank you. to you. Thank you so much. Look back on your past and smile, but don't let it cramp your style. So you weren't the chosen one. The way I see it is your time is yet to come. Don't make this has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Thrilled off the Punchline album of the same name. Visit punchline.com for merch, new music, and upcoming shows. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com to see how Chris and I can help make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. There lies in
the Geekscape Network. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.